Welcome back to The Intersect. This is Nabil and Donna. We are talking about the intersection of business, technology, and learning. And we are very excited to have our first guest of the podcast series, Mr. Kevin Pitts, Managing Director of Duke Corporate Education. Kevin, how are you? Fantastic. How about yourself? I'm glad oh, to be well. here. Hopefully you'll say that at the end of the of the twenty minute. Thanks for uh, for your time and, and allowing us to uh, pick your brain on the intersect. Before we go in uh, deep into the questions, Kevin, uh, would you mind telling us just very briefly about a little bit about yourself and your work and anything else you'd like to add? All right, great. Yeah, now I've been in the learning space, which currently is going through a transformation, including tons of technology. Um, you know, kind of entering into the space and allowing things to be more efficient. But I've been in the learning business and leadership development for many years. And at Duke CE, we are primarily a leadership development shop where we extend the skills of leaders, senior leaders, high potential leaders, uh, pretty much the top of the organization. We extend their skills in a way that truly make them much more effective in order to achieve their goals. Leadership is not an exact science. So I believe that, you know, you can continually um, expand your skills in the aspects of leadership. And so Duke CE is around leadership development, and I look forward to talking about that intersection that you alluded to. Very nice. Thank you, Kevin. We appreciate the, uh, the good intro there. Uh, I'm curious, and I'm sure you know, you've come across a lot of people and a lot of organizations throughout your career in this space of executive corporate education. What have you found in your experience that people are really most hesitant about whenever they reach out to you or whenever you're just you know, talking with them? Um, I think, you know, measurement of the actual intervention around leadership development or the challenges that they are faced with, just trying to make sure that they can see a return on investment. And so they're somewhat hesitant if they don't hear from, you know, from the organization, how, how we're going to measure things, especially in this kind of era of uh, data analytics and big data. And so, if there's any hesitation, it's usually around, are we going to get the bang for the buck? And that's been around since the beginning of time, right? And so, um, you know, when you think about leadership development, there really isn't much to hesitate on, um, especially if you um, aren't getting the results you desire. But if you're getting the results, but you really just want to ramp up that growth engine, you still uh, want to see, make sure you get a return on your investment. Sure. And, and I, I'm curious, how has then, have you been able to convince people to see that, uh, that there is that return on investment? And then once, let's say they do decide to you know, work with you and the organizations that you're with, uh, what have you seen as a result of that? Do you see people come back and say, you know what, okay, we get it, we want more, or do you still see some hesitation? I'm curious. Yeah, you know, this is where I think um, this whole notion of the intersection between business, practice, I'm going to say practicality, practice, technology, and education come into play. You know, one of the key um, methodologies that we use in, in leadership development is action-based learning, where leaders actually work on a specific challenge in the organization uh, that they, if when solved, will obviously return quite a bit of money to the organization 
in either increasing revenues or decreasing costs. So um, this whole notion of uh, making the intervention or the solution much more practical versus, when you think about education alone, you think about a classroom, you think about maybe a case study where people are just kind of listening and then providing an opinion. But when um, leaders are actually solving critical, practical business problems that are um, in context of their own business, then you certainly get a return on your investment. Thank you. One of the things. Mm -hmm. Go, please. Yeah, one of the things that I think now with this whole technology piece is um, really helping leaders and the organization bring uh, more efficiency and more access to information or just-in-time information to the leaders. And so it is not always, not all, always about bringing a cohort into a classroom these days or bringing a group of leaders together. You know, there's this dissemination of information too, and technology allows us to do that. Perfect. Yeah, that's, that's really true. So that's interesting. It leads us to the next part um, on a question I wanted to ask. When people call you, can you tell us a little bit about the conversation the very first time they call? Do they know what they want? Do they have specific challenges and ask you to recommend? What do those look like if you had to put a, a, an aggregate on them? Um, because I think that measurement thing you just talked about, by the way, is very interesting. I, I often call measuring learning the, the holy grail. It's sort of mm-hmm. hard to put a number on. So it's interesting. Do they, do they ask you that right at the beginning? But just in general, what, what does it look like when they call you? What kind of conversations do, do, they, do you have the first Yeah, because, because of the dissemination of information, people are doing their due diligence prior to calling us. Um, they may not have uh, done a lot of due diligence, right? They certainly know what their challenges are, what the problems are. They know what results they desire. They know that typically they aren't getting those results. Or if it is about development, they know that they, they want to increase the bank strength as leaders retire and new leaders come up, want to make sure they've got the right skills deployed. So when they call us, it's usually around um, – hey, we've got a group of leaders, here are some of the challenges, here's the direction of the company, there's some changes in the environment that we're dealing with, for instance, you know, advent of, uh, you know, robotics into the industry, machine learning, um, artificial intelligence, those kinds of things that are impinging on all organizations, kind of this whole digital transformation. And then they're saying, Kevin, we need to upskill our people to make them much more digital, especially, and I don't want to use a general term like the baby boomers or the Gen X or that kind of, those folks that haven't been, um, you know, pretty much grown up with technology and we want to upskill them so that they can effectively use technology and the data that all the data that's out there to make better decisions. And so usually they come with a challenge. They come with a group of leaders that um, they feel will be sooner or later having those challenges and hopefully we bring some solutions so that at the time they have the challenge, they know what to do. 
That's excellent. And it leads into my next question, which was, I know you've been doing this for a while. You were Duke before that you were somewhere else, but you've been in the, the executive education space and education for a while. What trends have you seen over the past, say three to five years? I'll use short term because that's the way we think these days. Yeah. So I've alluded to, there's a huge digital transformation going on. Um, where you know organizations have a plethora of data, and then the question is, how can we use this data more effectively to make better decisions? And so there is uh, quite a bit of this digital transformation, understanding you know large sets of data, how can we make sense of it? And that's where you get into artificial intelligence, machine learning, and those kinds of things. So that's one kind of trend going on in the industry. Another trend I see is truly bringing the experiential learning to the fold. A lot less lecture, a lot less, if it is something that's in a classroom, bringing more of a learn by doing experience to the fold. So you place senior leaders in a risk-free environment, but in an environment in context that they need to make decisions because that's what they're going to do back on the job. And then another trend specifically is, you know, how do we get then that learning down to the masses in organizations um, and creating a learning organization such that everybody in the organization can have at their fingertips, and this is where the technology helps immensely, the information they need to make better decisions. Um, And so we're seeing things like learning management systems are kind of, uh, you know, a big thing in organizations and curating information is a big thing in organizations such that people have right at their fingertips the information they need to make better decisions. Um, Another trend I'm seeing now, I'm going to take it up a level, talking about the industry as a whole, especially the learning space. Um, You see McKinsey, Bain, Booz Allen, the large consulting shops, KPMG, now entering the uh, L&D space, learning and development space, and the leadership development space, they believe they bring a set of advantages to the space. And as a result, the typical university is not just competing with other universities, they're competing against the McKinsey's of the world. And that brings a different dynamic um, to the equation. And so those are pretty much the major trends uh, I'm seeing, different set of competitors, learning distributed throughout the whole organization at the fingertips of everyone, special kind of uh, leadership development interventions where you have a cohort of 30 folks um, going through some sort of specialized education that is very experiential and immersive and specific to their responsibilities. Very interesting, Kevin. Thank you for that. Actually, one I have a one follow-up question. Uh, have you noticed a change in the demographics of people who have been you know, part of the cohorts of the programs that you've been in? I'm just out of curiosity. I know it's a it's a, a general question, but I'd be curious. Like, do you see younger people? Do you see maybe more women? Or uh, you know, are there certain types of things that you're able to talk about that you can see kind of a dem- demographic shift, if any? More international, maybe. Yeah. yeah here's, here's here's what's fascinating. A lot of the university 
and I think this is with the consulting firms too, right? Um, we have seen clients say, hey, we would love to have the, um, the pool of facilitators or faculty be reflective of our audience. So say, for instance, if the NFL decided to do some leadership development, and they do, by the way, from time to time, um, and they, you know, and, and they want to develop their players, right? The players coming out with millions of dollars, right? Millions of dollars and help them entrepreneurially start a business. Well, you know, the NFL happens to be about 70% black. And the, the educators are probably 70% white. And so from time to time, we hear, you know, from, you know, if you have a, a client like the NFL saying, we'd love to see more minority representation, you know, speaking to our players. And it's very difficult from time to time. So on the educator side, you have a more or less homogeneous group of folks, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and on the client side, you are getting more and more diverse diversity and more and more folks from different countries, um, you know, different um, cultures, um, and and there's a bit of disconnect in that regard. But um, I would say that on the client side, a lot more uh, diversity, but on the educator side and those that provide solutions, even on the consulting side, uh, probably a lot more homogeneity than heterogeneity. Uh, thank you. Uh, very interesting, and definitely you know, among those demographic trends, as well as you know the the most eye-opening trend that that you had mentioned was the how now there's a new set of competition. Now it's not just universities or academic institutions. Now there's consulting firms and sort of competing for that same business, perhaps with a different take. So definitely, thanks for the insight on that. That's something that we'll uh, keep our eye on and and see. Yeah, that that was really interesting to me as well. That that. Uh that you see them as, and I'm not saying they are or they aren't, but, but as a new breed of competition, interesting. Yeah, and by the way, they'll have the same challenges around diversity than the universities. I mean, you know, they right. tend to see them to hire from the MBA, top MBA schools, well, there's a certain type of demographic that goes to those schools and get accepted mm -hmm. by them. Right. Good, good, thanks. Uh, so next question for me is, um, what's one thing you wish people who are not in your field, not in, in uh, the exec ed, corporate education space, uh, what do you wish they knew about your work? You know, one of the things that almost all the exec ed and learning development um, folks or organizations engage in is what, what I call a little bit of corporate governance. I mean, we want to do good in the world, right? We want business to be a vehicle for good in the world. Um, and so there is certainly at Duke, when we deal with um, leadership development, uh, the, the belief that a purpose-driven organization, driven by integrity, honesty, and ethics, play a big role in how, um, how it interacts, the company interacts with the world at large, all of the stakeholders. And, um, you know, I think we do really good work when it comes to, you know, um, making a difference, 
in not just the folks that we uh, we train or we help learn different ideas and behaviors, but at the world at large and the contributions back to society in helping creating better leaders that will then contribute to society. So um, I wish that, uh, you know, we got a lot more credit for making sure that they are ethically trained or leaders who are, who bring a bit of ethics and integrity and honesty uh, to their jobs. Great point. Uh, I know this is tends to be a shortcoming a lot in technology companies as a, someone with a technology background, oftentimes people operate well with the, well, if I can do it, then I should do it. And a lot of times that is not the case. So it's great to hear that, uh, that the, the organizations that, that you work with and, and yourself as well uh, put that integrity, honesty, and ethics very high and probably above everything else because there's a lot of people who are missing out on that. So so thanks for that insight. Yeah, and let, let me build on something right now. I don't know if you know, but there's a lot of work happening trying to de-bias AI, artificial mm-hmm. intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. When you think about AI, you think about it's supposed to be an objective situation and right now, people are finding that there's a lot of bias in the whole transformation of AI. And how do you get that bias out of uh, even technology, right. software development? Right. Exactly. If the people who are designing it are biased, then... That's exactly yeah. 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 Say first, exactly. You to, first, you have to get it out of the people, and then it'll <laughs> get out of there. Right. <laughs> Don't think you can get it out of the people, but we have to figure out how to cross that bridge as far as getting it out of software. So, so what are you most curious about right now? What's on the horizon? What do you think about most? I want to see, um, and I'm most curious about virtual reality and its role in the whole intersection of business technology and education and learning and making leaders, in addition to individuals, more effective in doing their job. I mean, if you think about years ago where pilots used to go, still do, by the way, go through uh, you know, simulators, if you will, and, um, you know, so that they can keep us safe. And as you know, being up in the air is one of the safest places you can be, you know, with respect to cars and other things that we do. Um, I would love to see the use of virtual reality for uh, medical students increase. I'd love to see virtual reality play a role in, in engineering. I'm sure it is. And in getting more of that in engineering and certainly getting uh, virtual reality into our leadership development um, world and, and into the learning and development space so that people can do their job more effectively and really get a sense of what the real world looks like before they actually have to do the job. So augmented reality and virtual reality are two things that I'm very curious about and it's implementation in businesses. Well, that's a, definitely an up-and-coming area for sure. So, and, and I think that concludes our time. So thank you very much, Kevin. I really appreciate it. Great insight on the, the exec ed world. And one last bonus question real quick. Are you a creamy or crunchy peanut butter person? This is a very serious question. So <laughs> we need to know where you stand. <laughs> I am a creamy, not a crunchy peanut butter. There you go. We will we will withhold any judgment from you, so all good. <laughs> oh, you know what Nabil's favorite is then. <laughs> Actually same as mine, so but, but no judgment anyway. <laughs> bias, bias. Yeah, there goes that bias once again. <laughs>
Well, it's a good thing I'm not designing machines, so it's all good, right? <laughs> there you go. There yeah. you go. <laughs> thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. We really oh, do. No thanks way. so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me.